Hi. <laughs> Nervous, some people, huh? <laughs> May I help you? Yes, you have a reservation for an Axel Foley. Well, let's see. I'm sorry, I don't see anything of that name. Uh, check Rolling Stone magazine's Axel Foley. That's what it is. <laughs> no, no Rolling Stone, no Axel Foley. I'm sorry, sir. Oh, it's all right. You guys probably just made some kind of mistake with reservations. Why don't you just give me another room now? Go up and go to sleep. I'm sorry, sir, but there are no rooms available. Don't you think I realize what's going on here, miss? Who do you think I am, huh? Don't you think I know that if I was some hotshot from out of town that pulled inside here and you guys made a reservation mistake, I'd be the first one to get a room and I'd be upstairs relaxing right now. But I'm not some hotshot from out of town. I'm a small reporter from Rolling Stone magazine that's in town to do an exclusive interview with Michael Jackson that's going to be picked up by every major magazine in the country. I was going to call the article, Michael Jackson is sitting on top of the world, but now I think I might as well just call it, Michael Jackson can sit on top of the world just as long as he doesn't sit in the Beverly Palm Hotel because there's no n****. Excuse me, sir. It seems that we do have a, a last-minute cancellation. Uh, there is a room available. It's a suite, but uh, I'll only charge you the single room rate. Thank you. I'm sorry I got upset. It's probably from jet lag or something. I'm very tired. How you all doing today? Hi. I'm fine. My name is Serge, and how can I help you? Um, yeah, I'm looking for Miss Jenny Summers. It's very busy today. Maybe you give me your name? My name is Axel Foley. And uh, what is pertaining? I didn't understand what you said. Pertaining, what it's meaning, regarding. Oh, what's it regarding? I'm an old acquaintance of hers. Donay, one moment. Don't want to tell me somewhere that uh, Mr. Ahmed Foley is here to no, see Axel Foley. Axel. Ahmed, Ahwell, Axel. Foley is here to see her. These are all the acquaintances. Don't discover this It's I'm not sorry. the breast of a dog to scrub for the customer. It's not sexy, it's animal. No, it's not sexy at all. May I you something to drink? A wine, a cocktail, a. Espresso? No, I'm fine, thank you. I'll make it to myself right back there with a little lemon twist. It's good. Try it. No, I'm, I'm fine. I see you look at this piece. Yeah, I was wondering how much something like this went for. $130,000. Get the f out of here! No, I cannot. It's serious because it's very important piece. Have you ever sold one of these? Sell it yesterday to a collector. Get the f out of here! Somebody else has said it myself. <laughs> You heard what he said, sir. Do it right now, please. What kind of shit is this, man? Hold up. Wait a second. You guys are arresting me for getting thrown out of a stove? I got thrown out of a window, man. Gun, partner. Sir, you are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to have an attorney present during questioning. Yeah, I understand. I understand the right. I know this is bullshit, man. I got thrown out of a thin window. Please get in the car, sir. Yeah, but tell me, sir, what's the charge? Possession of a concealed weapon and disturbing the peace. Disturbing the peace? I got thrown out of a window. What's the fucking charge for getting pushed out of a moving car, huh? Jaywalking? Welcome to Sleep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How is everybody doing this week? We are finally in 2012. This is the first episode of 2012. I am super excited. And with me is my buddy Andrew. How are you today, sir? Not bad. How's everything going with you? Everything is going awesome so i am super excited to be starting the first year off with beverly hills cop how about you sir yeah i'm excited because this one's a really good one it's a classic yeah and you haven't seen number two or number three is that right yeah this is the only one i've seen so i'm getting ready to gear down and watch the other two in succession so 
That is so awesome. Yeah, I just picked up part two and three today. I went to uh, my local video store. I rented Shark Night. I got to see how bad that is. And then I got <laughs> Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. And uh, on uh, Tuesdays, you get old movies free. So I got number two and number three. So I am ready to rock for the next two weeks on those movies. And I can't wait for you to see part two. Because for you, so you guys know, I love number one. But part two is my favorite of the series. I love it for many reasons, which I'll explain in the review. But I am super excited, sir, for you to see part two to to see how much you like this sucker man yeah me too because that's kind of rare like uh, for sequels to be actually better than the original so i'm looking forward to that good deal all right sir well before we get into beverly hills cop let's go into movie and music news So, um, obviously, we just had our big extravaganza last week uh, on the end of the year episode. Um, Two and a half hours worth. Yeah. Did you actually listen to that, sir? Or are you only, like, watch, listening to, like, part of it? Or what's the deal? I listened to about half of it, and I was going to get to the other half later this week. Okay. So, for those of you who didn't know, if you're not a fan on the Facebook page or... Or Twitter. Uh, the episode took me seven hours to put together. <laughs> it was, yeah. Masuna's here is an editing monster, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to give you guys a little, a little reason why it took so long. Okay, here's the deal. When me and Andrew record, it's one file. It's essentially from beginning to end. It's one entire file. And when you are breaking up sections, you have to essentially break up sections. You know, when you do movie music news, you're taking one section and you're taking off the original files. So for the music, whenever I had to do, uh, you know, my top 10 is, his top 10, that's essentially one section. So I had to do 20 sections because 10 for me, 10 for him. So when we got to movies, it was obviously easy. It was pretty much one one flow until we got the emails and then it's another section, so on and so forth. So you get the idea. But the music, uh, I mean, we had clips already made, but the brutal part was doing the sections and editing the music and make it all sound like one cohesive unit. So that's essentially why it took seven flipping hours to do. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was worth it, though. From what I've heard so far, it's sounding great. Yeah, the, uh, you know, from emails coming in, it sounded like everything paid off. I'm super excited. But, uh, you know, since we covered a whole bunch of movies and a whole bunch of music, here's what I want to do for this 
week's movie music news. So since we're in 2012, this is a new year, we're in January, um, I want to know what are some of your most anticipated movies that you want to see this year because uh, for those of you who didn't know, uh, Andrew and me were officially making this the, the deal. Andrew's the co-host of the show. I've been promoted. So now you have to keep up with your word, though, and I get exactly double what I'm making right now. Right, right, which is nothing. So yeah, so it, it it's a good deal. I, I win on both ends. Exactly. Now, <laughs> Andrew is uh, an admin on the Facebook page. So as you guys know, uh, every week I review a, a movie or a soundtrack I pick up. Now, Andrew goes to the theater a lot more than I do. Yeah, I've seen um, quite a few new movies. My friend's sister works at the closest movie theater, so we get in for free a lot. Yes, which Andrew sucks, so that's why <laughs> he gets it. And uh, here's the thing. Um, whenever we see a new movie, uh, unless we're going to do a series about it, like we're going to do the Batman series because you know me and him are going to watch The Dark Knight Rises. But for just random movies, you know, mm-hmm. Andrew will go ahead and throw up a, a review on the Facebook page of what he thought of the film. Kind of like me, I wait till the movies come out on DVD, so I throw right. a quick review out for you guys. Same as music. Andrew picks up a lot of music uh you know he does more i think you do more singles than you do albums or is it the other way around i tend to i it depends on my favorite artists i'll get the whole album but yeah i do tend to get a lot of more single songs yeah i'm the same way if it's a particular artist i love i buy the album regardless if i've listened to it but if it's just random songs i pick up so uh he'll you'll see a lot of music reviews from him because you guys are getting my side and uh, from the end of the year episode a lot of people definitely liked our musical taste so you're going to get a lot more diversity on the facebook page so uh, I wanted – and of course Andrew will let you know that it's coming from him because yeah. he, he posted a video of his favorite uh, key, of his favorite song, uh, which you unfortunately listed the link, uh, which I gave you crap for on the Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all good. But expect to see more of that uh, going because Andrew's not a big Facebook person, but he is going to be a Facebook person now that he – is uh you know on the sweep delay podcast page so yeah i'll definitely be around a lot more I, like you said i go to the movies quite often now so i'll be yeah. able to throw up my two cents and i like the latest one i saw is mission impossible so you can guys can look forward to that i caught like a mini review soon within the week so I'm looking forward to because, yeah, you see a lot more than I do, so it'll definitely be a more variety that people will get to hear. So I'm excited about it. Um, So uh, let's see. Some of the movies coming out this year. We got uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Are you you wanting to see that or no? Um, I'll give that a thumbs up because I am – I've seen the other ones, and I quite enjoyed number three, even though a lot of people give it flack for having too much, too many villains and the whole emo goth thing in the middle, but I enjoyed it for what it was worth. I'm not too into the comics, so okay. I liked it as an entertaining action movie, But uh, and I'll just do the same thing with this one. I'm looking forward to seeing what the new graphics look like and everything, since it's a, new, a total reboot. Okay. This is a 50-50. Wife and me haven't decided, so I may go, may not. If me and Andrew go and see the same movie... Uh, in the theater, we'll both review it on the show. But mm-hmm. if either I seen it and he didn't, or he saw it and I didn't, then we're just going to put up the solo reviews on the Facebook page. So for those of you who have not liked the Facebook page, just go to www.facebook.com slash sweep delay podcast, and there you go. Um, so uh, that one's 50 50 Battleship. What about this one? Uh, I saw the trailer. The first thing I thought was, wow, this thing looks weird. But I do like Dennis Quaid. 
So I think I'll end up giving it a shot most likely if my friends go to see it with me. Otherwise, that more be a rental. But eh, 50-50 on that one. Yep, same for me. I'm waiting for DVD. Born Legacy. What about this one? Uh, that one I never quite got into the Born movies. So that one I'll probably end up seeing DVD. Yep, DVD for me. What about Brave? Do you uh, don't know anything about this one, but other than that, it's an animated, right? Uh, I think so. I don't know much about it either, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I probably won't even see it. Who knows? Um, Dark Knight Rises. I'm definitely going to theater for this puppy. Um, yep. So I actually just bought. Uh, there's a place by the mall near me that was going out of business. It sells DVDs and everything, and I just picked up the Dark Knight and Batman Begins on Blu-ray. Excellent. So I'm gearing up for Dark Knight Rises. Sweet. Dark Shadows. I uh, don't know anything about this one. Okay. Expendables 2. I'm going to the theater for this one. What about you? I didn't see the first one, but I do want to watch it. Okay. So I want to definitely watch this before the second one. Okay. Ghost Rider Part 2. Uh, depending on the reviews, I doubt I'll see it in the theater. I'm thinking more DVD release for this one. Yeah, I'm hold off on that. I'm not a fan of the series. Uh, G.I. Joe 2. Definitely going to the theater for this one. Uh, it can go either way in the theater, but I do want to see it. Okay. If... We both do G.I. Joe 2 in the theater. We'll review mm-hmm. G.I. Joe 1, and then we'll do 2. So. Yeah, that sounds like a plan, because I, I enjoyed the first one. Okay. The Hobbit, I'm not watching this one. Are you going to see this one? Uh, it's not on my list of priorities. I'm not, I, I like The Lord of the Rings, but I'm not a rabid fanboy of it. So The Hobbit, I can go without until it comes out on DVD, possibly. Hunger Games, I uh, heard good things, but I'm going to wait for DVD on this one. Uh, this one I'm going to see the night of release. Okay. <laughs> I like the book was amazing. Nice. John Carter. Uh, not too into this one. Okay. Uh, me neither. Uh, Avengers, more than likely, maybe 70, 30. I'm going to the theater for this one. I'll pro- most definitely be going to the theater with my friends to see this one. Sweet. Uh, Men in Black 3. Uh, I was never a fan of the series, so probably not. No problem. DVD for me, too. Prometheus. Uh, I've never seen any of the Alien films. Everybody shoot me now. Uh, so I am not watching this in the theater. I'll catch it on DVD. What is this one? You mentioned the Alien movies. This, is, the pre- this is prequel to Alien. Oh, okay. Well, I've seen the first two of Alien, so I've uh, got to look into this one. I haven't seen anything about it. It's Ridley Scott's Return to Horror. Yeah. So. Cool. Uh, Snow White and Huntsman. I'll pass on this one. Yeah, it's probably not going to be anything I watch until my parents watch it on DVD. <laughs> uh, Skyfall. Uh, don't know anything about this one. Uh, Total Recall remake uh, with uh, Colin Farrell. I'll skip this one. Maybe DVD. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> I didn't catch the last Breaking Dawn, and I'm probably not going to catch this one. Good deal. Me neither. Uh, Wrath of the Titans DVD. Uh, DVD, I never saw Clash of the Titans, but after seeing the trailer last night after uh, before Mission Impossible, kind of piqued my interest. Sweet. So you guys can uh, pretty much take that as it is, and we'll give you updates as the movies come close, whether we'll cover the series. Like, for example, we're definitely going to do uh, the Batman series leading up to uh, The Dark Knight Rises. So, you know, I covered part one. But we'll redo it again because Andrew will be on. So we'll do Batman, Batman Returns, just the whole Batman franchise and, you know, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, all that good stuff. So good deal. And then uh, for you, uh, Lord, uh, not Lord of the Rings. Oh, my God. Harry Potter fans. I've never seen the films. Andrew, we all know, loves and adore them. So uh, at some point this year, we will do the Harry Potter series just because I'm interested in them. Uh, And that way you guys can get uh, my perspective as a newer, as a newbie. And you'll get Andrew's expertise 
on the Harry Potter series. So that'll yeah, be- this this I'm looking forward to because something like this. If you haven't read the books, it's going to be different for you to watch these movies. Other than different for then it's different for me because I know all the details. So right, yeah, that's it'll be good times. It'll so. be cool. So all right, and as far as music news goes, not a whole lot going on. Just that uh, Katy Perry uh, is called a divorce uh, from Russell Brand. So you, when that song came out in Another Life, I was like, how does Russell Brand feel about that song Katy Perry wrote? So. Don't don't call me shocked that they're getting a divorce. Apparently not good. <laughs> Apparently not good. So um, I miss the Dick Clark Rockin' New Year's Eve 40 Years event. I usually sometimes watch it, but not a big deal for me. So I, did you see that, sir? Uh, no, this was one of the few years that I did miss it. I I heard that there was just going to be a bunch of Gaga and Justin Bieber, so it wasn't really my thing. Cool. So I steered away. I actually watched the American Date of an American Country New Year's thing going on so i watched a bunch of performances from that sweet and uh jason mraz is back he's got a new song i won't give up so i like jason mraz he's pretty cool kind of original so um yeah i gotta check him out yeah pretty cool so that's about it guys not a whole lot considering me and andrew killed it last last week so uh let's get into the big the big topic which is beverly hills cop is a Detroit cop (laughs) on vacation in Beverly Hills. I just got off the phone with Inspector Todd in Detroit. He says if you're out here investigating the Tandino murder, you needn't bother coming back. I don't want to take it anymore. For a man who claims to be on vacation, you look a lot like you're on a stakeout. Stakeout? No, no. I'm picnicking. This is like a picnic area. I'm going to ask you some questions about Michael Tandino. I've never been to a cell that had a phone in it. Can I stay for a while? Because I ordered some pizza. We have six witnesses that say you broke in and started tearing up the place, then jumped out the window. May I help you? Yeah. I'm looking for Victor Maitland. I have nothing to say to you. How you doing? You guys don't know nothing about nothing, do you? You just got your badges and your guns and you're on the job, right? Make sure we get the right drinks because my drink club sold out. Throw up. You know, this is the cleanest and nicest police car I've ever been in in my life. This thing's nice in my apartment. Mrs. Bitch, you are the pride of your department in Detroit. It seems painfully obvious you haven't the slightest idea who you're dealing with. I don't know what y'all think I am, giving you some kind of food. Hurry up, quicker! Crawl back to your little stone in Detroit before you get squashed.
Alright, sir. So, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, let me just say that Eddie Murphy is my favorite flipping comedian. I love a lot of guys, um, but when it comes to comedian, my number one choice out of any person I could think of is hands down Eddie Murphy for me. So, what about you? How how, how does Eddie Murphy rank in your categories? His old school stuff, like, like this is one of his best performances i think uh he his newer stuff i'm not too into like he does a lot of those comedies where he doubles up as another person yeah um and i'm not really too into that i think it's kind of a hokey way to get comedy off but stuff like this when he was actually doing movies with stories and everything like i just flipping love it it's great yeah yeah you're right i should rephrase that the old school eddie murphy coming to america beverly hills cop golden child all that stuff that was all excellent uh when he went uh when he went the whole yeah double people playing i think when he started doing like i think it started with the nutty professor yeah back in like the the late 90s that's kind of when he took his turn yep but anything prior to that, it was he was pretty pretty gold back then. Forty eight hours, yeah, like you said, um, coming to America was classic. Yep. Uh, so, sir, I know you um, you know you haven't been on in a while, so I've kind of changed things up a little bit. Here's kind of how I do it. Um, I give a basically a brief um, the plot summary, basically from beginning to end, uh, just kind of short, sweet to the point. Spend like maybe three or four minutes from beginning to end, what happens in the film, and then I go through from beginning to end, what were my favorite parts, my favorite lines, and then after I get done with that, I talk about the stuff I didn't like. And then after that, I give my overall rating of the film. Um, so that's pretty much how uh, how it works. So I know you may not have been prepared for that, but hopefully you can you know you can jump in. So. Yeah, it's cool. Right on, and I'll chime in whenever it pops up. So. Good deal. Now um, the funny thing is with this movie, this was actually a Sylvester Stallone film originally. Um, I just watched last night. I watched the special features, and originally this was supposed to. This starred uh, Sylvester Stallone. Everybody was hired, and um, let's just say that this film essentially was a different kind of film. They originally wanted Eddie Murphy, but because they had Sylvester Stallone, and at the time he was humongous, they really couldn't tell him to to kind of. Uh, we want Eddie Murphy instead. But uh, make a long story short, they basically worked it out where Eddie Murphy or actually Sylvester Stallone rewrote a lot of the script and eventually became Cobra. 
um, which you know Cobra was a big film in. That's why in Beverly Hills Cop 2, uh, you'll actually see a poster of Cobra, kind of a re- kind of like an homage to Sylvester Stallone. So a lot of people didn't know that this was actually a Sylvester Stallone film originally. And then once Eddie Murphy came on, all the rewrites were done within a matter of a couple, maybe a day or two. And uh, believe it or not, 90% of this film is all um, ad lib and um, and just kind of goes with the flow. Improvising? That's pretty cool. Yeah, 90% of this film is improvising. Eddie Murphy, pretty much the whole film is improvising and they'll be the director will say this is a scene i want you to get from point a to point b and whatever you do is whatever you do and the other actors would react on that so there's that's, a lot of scene oh go ahead no that's pretty cool because you have to be pretty talented to do something like that so, i mean you're riding in an hour and a half movie to whatever however long this one an hour and a half or whatever and you have to improvise the whole time that's pretty good yeah exactly i mean it's a basic plot that they give them but right. for example there'll be a scene where he's driving up uh to uh go go meet victor maitland and they're like you know what that was all right you drove up you should say something that's when he gets out of the car and says you parked this in a good spot you know all this s happened last time i parked it here you know stuff like that he just made all that stuff up uh, a lot of stuff in the police um, and the police station is all improvised. So hmm. I'll get into all the details of what those scenes are. But uh, I, w- I just wanted to say that that's what makes Eddie Murphy so awesome is the fact of he's an excellent comedian, but he's great at improvising. And uh, this is the actually first cop movie that had comedy in it. Um, originally, it was just like Dirty Harry and Death Wish, that kind of stuff. Yeah. This actually broke the door uh, wide open for future films to have comedy and cop films and uh this is actually my second favorite cop series my number one cop series is lethal weapon i was gonna say that (laughs) yeah this would be number two all right so basically beverly hills cop is uh came out in 1984 it was directed by uh, martin breast Um, this is actually production of uh good old don simpson and jerry bruckheimer which we would all know and uh come to love eventually as they make big explosion movies but uh essentially uh this film stars eddie murphy who plays axel foley he's a young talented but he's a very reckless detroit police detective uh, he's been reformed from his hoodlum years, basically. His latest act of attempting to catch crooks in the beginning of the film, um, there's this authorized cigarette smuggling happening where he's trying to do a sting operation, and uh, it goes pretty sour. And uh, the opening scene is pretty crazy with this semi truck going downtown and uh, going through the streets and tearing up cars, which I'll get into the details uh, of that in a little bit here. But uh, the beginning starts off pretty action packed, good stuff. And um, Axel's childhood friend and former child, uh, former, it's kind of like a criminal friend, you would say. Right. His name's Michael Tandino. He uh, he shows up after this whole situation happens in the beginning. Uh, he's been long gone from Detroit. Shows up at his apartment. Just, you know he got out of jail about six months earlier. Tells him that he's been working in Beverly Hills, California, as surprisingly a security guard, and uh, through one of their best friends, which is Jenny Summers, who's played by Lisa Elbacher and Mikey uh, Tal. Uh, Tandino is played by James Russo. Uh, he's not in it a lot, but the scenes that he is in, uh, he does an excellent job in doing. 
And essentially what happens is after going out to have a few drinks, they both of them return to Axel's apartment. Axel gets knocked unconscious and Mikey is confronted by two thugs and question him about some missing German bear bonds that he actually stole and that he stole from them and he was showing Axel earlier in the film. Uh, Mikey gets murdered after being refused the investigation because they wouldn't let Axel be the investigator of this. Number one, he doesn't have enough uh, cop time. Uh, they put a guy on that's been on there for 12 years. And basically due to the close ties, his boss, which I will talk about his boss in a moment, but his boss is the, he steals this film, the little parts that he's in. And the funny thing is his boss is actually a real life, um, homicide detective, which is pretty flipping cool. But anyway, cool. so they have a little bit of authentic, authenticism. Exactly. Which is why he comes across so flipping awesome. But he basically yeah. tells him that if he attempts to work on this case, he's going to be fired because Axel asks, I have some vacation time coming. I want to take it, which essentially Axel wants to go to Beverly Hills to find out what happened. And his boss tells him, fine, take your vacation. But if I find out you investigated this, it's going to be the longest vacation you ever heard of. So <laughs> we see Axel start the adventure where he goes off to Beverly Hills and uh, he actually finds Jenny where she works learns that uh, Mikey's recent boss is this respected local art dealer named Victor um, and he's played excellently by Steven Burkoff and he actually hired Mikey as a favor to Jenny now Axel decides to question Victor about Mikey's employment Victor responds by having him throw, thrown out of his uh out of his workplace through a window, which is flipping amazing. Uh, we'll get in that in just a second. Uh, yep. Axel is, uh, of course, arrested. He meets good old Beverly Hills police officers John Taggart. Uh, he's actually a sergeant. And then we get Detective Billy Rosewood. Now, Detective Billy Rosewood is played by the ever-so-awesome Judge Reinhold. And John Taggart is played by John Ashton. And you'll probably know John Ashton from the John Hughes film, Some Kind of Wonderful. He was the dad to Eric Stoltz. And Judge Reinhold, uh, he was just in the recently reviewed film Gremlins and uh, vice versa, a couple great 80s films. And, of course, the boss of them is Lieutenant Andrew Bogomel, which is played by Ronnie Cox. And Ronnie Cox will be in our future series called RoboCop, where he plays a complete douchebag in that film. So, all right. So Axel sneaks into one of Victor's warehouses after he finishes getting out of the police station, and he soon begins to suspect that Victor is actually involved in some questionable activities, which includes Mikey's murder. He finds coffee grounds in the warehouse, and he deduces that uh, he's smuggling drugs, and because coffee grounds are basically used to throw the scent off of dogs. So as evidence of this uh, starts to pile up, um, Victor kidnaps Jenny. Axel convinces Taggart, Rosewood, and Bogomel to assist him in bringing Victor to justice and rescuing Jenny. After an awesome firefight at the end, uh, they kill most of the associates. Actually, um, Axel gets shot in the shoulder. Uh, Victor gets shot and killed. And uh, they save Jenny. It's a pretty cool ending. And then realizing that he's pretty much going to be out of a job, uh, as a police officer, due to disobeying his boss's order, Axel asks uh, Bogomel to speak to his boss to smooth things over. 
Bogomel actually uh, refused, uh, but Axel threatens to stay in Beverly Hills and become a private investigator. He doesn't really refuse, but it's kind of like, well, don't you think all your favors are used up? But he kind of wants to get rid of them. So he uh, changes his mind. And before Beverly, uh, before Foley leaves Beverly Hills and returns home, he asks Taggart and Rosewood to join him for a farewell, a farewell drink. And uh, says the ever so line, don't worry about it. I found a perfect place. You guys will love it. Trust me. Um, that's essentially the overall story. So let's get into the details of the film, sir. Oh. Um, okay. So the film starts off. We got the awesome song, The Heat Is On. Um, what do you think of this song? Uh, I really liked it. It has really good classic 80s music in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, the cool thing is you kind of see the ins and outs of Detroit, which kind of reminds me of Chi-Town. Uh, yeah. Funny enough, the, the kind of ins and outs of Detroit, I only lived about 20 minutes from places with broken windows and stuff like that. So watching it was kind of like, uh, you know, reminiscent. I mean, originally my neighborhood was good. Yeah. A, a lot of gang activity happened and a lot of people were pushed out of the neighborhood and uh, by the time I actually left Chicago to come um, out here, my parents' apartment actually got shot up uh, wow. the first floor. So that eventually got my parents to move out here. But, you know, where I lived originally was a good neighborhood. But within a matter of six years, it turned to gang activity, uh, tagging all over the place. It was pretty nasty. So seeing this stuff really reminded me of, of my of my killer side south town I like to say of <laughs> Chicago. It's really not that much different. Um, let's just say this. Eddie Murphy's swearing is like watching Arnold Schwarzenegger be the badass he is. You can't have it without the other. I mean if watching an edited version of Beverly Hills Cops sucks. I mean Eddie Murphy is made to swear. And he is flipping amazing. His swearing is so funny. I, yeah, he uses it well. Like, he does it in good parts. Like, it's just kind of – it's more of an emphasis on what he's saying, not really like a, a dishonoring kind of way. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, it uh, it's flipping amazing. I mean, when they first show you and he's pretending to be undercover and he starts talking real fast and he just starts swearing. It's just like, man, it's so good to see a non-edited version of this. Um, when they, when the cops show up, I like how he says, you know, don't I know you from somewhere? He goes, nah, man, I'm from Buffalo. And, uh, you can tell the cop kind of recognizes him, but he's trying to stay cool and calm undercover. (laughs) But uh, finally, when the cover is blown and the truck goes off, what they actually did is they only had one take for the semi to tear up all these cars. And what they did is they put a steel, um, they put a steel, a titanium steel front end, so it would be able to go through all these cars in one take. Hmm. So that's essentially how they were able to do that scene without having to do it over again, is by putting a titanium steel front end on it, which was pretty cool. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like. Back then, it was the 80s, so they didn't have too much CGI and all that kind of stuff. So whatever they shot, they needed to use the best of it. Yeah. In fact, uh, I don't – man, if there was any CGI, man, it was pretty – it was pretty Commodore computer-style CGI. It wasn't no Windows 7 kind of CGI, yeah. that's for yeah. sure. Um, okay, so Inspector Todd, okay, um, 
the, yeah, the cop that is the, is Axel Foley's flipping cop, uh, Inspector Douglas Todd, played by Gil Hill. Mm-hmm. Essentially, uh, when the filmmakers were looking for casting, they went to the homicide division of Detroit, saw this guy. They thought he had great presence, and he is so amazing. I mean, he uses swearing more than Eddie Murphy does, but he has such a, a scary presence on screen. His first line in the film is, is that effing Foley in there? Um, man, what are your thoughts on this guy? He's just, he makes it more believable. Like you, like we said before, it's kind of authentic now that I know he's a real cop. That it's kind of like one of those things where you just see him and he has this, like the stature and this like meanness to him. But he's like, like a good type, type of mean. Like he's, he's, he's very stern. It, it just kind of played over in film well. I think they cast him well. Because you can't just cast anyone off the streets and hope they're going to do good in a movie, so. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you're right. He's definitely stern and he has a presence where you can't mess with this guy. You know, I mean, he talks about how, you know, I got chewed out for everything that happened. And don't you notice my ass is no longer there. And then, of course, he has a comeback of, you know, your ass is really there. He didn't chew it out. But, you know, when he's trying to be like, let's hear your side of the story. And he goes, don't well, he says, don't you want to hear my side of the story? What's your side of the story, smart guy? He goes, "Okay, what's your side of the story? (laughs) He's definitely afraid of his boss, which is. Yeah. And it's and you can see through the whole movie that it takes a lot for Axel Foley to get scared which either is bravery or stupidity on his part but either way like he doesn't get scared too often about things he kind of takes it as it comes so for him to be very respectful to this guy shows a lot yeah uh and of course um when you uh when you first see him go to his apartment he has his blue crappy chevy nova and they they kind of prove that when he goes to the park he gets out and the car starts to roll down the street i really like that because it kind of shows you he's just a regular cop he's not some money making you know super awesome cop he's just he's good at his job but uh but i guess material wise he doesn't really care. He cares about his job. He doesn't care about materialistic stuff, which is pretty cool. At least that's kind of the 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 presence you get off of him just by having a crappy car like that. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, later in the film, Jenny asks. Uh, he he goes to ask Jenny if he goes uh, to drive her Mercedes, and she goes, "Do you know how to drive this?" And he's like, "It's a car. What, what's there? To, <laughs> what else is there to know?" So yeah, he, he's very he's simple he, he has what he has he likes it he goes out for drinks he does his job and that's his life and he enjoys it exactly um so when we first hear eddie's laugh it's the epic laugh that we know <laughs> i love eddie murphy's laugh and the funny thing is that's his real laugh he doesn't try to fake that that's really how he laughs which is so cool because uh, they talk about that on special features, how they actually make Jenny makes fun of him, like, hey, 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 and he starts to laugh at the fact that she made fun of him. That was all improv, that scene. So, uh, what do you think of his laugh? It's pretty epic, don't you? It think? just emphasizes his personality even more. He's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I really like is when um, when he goes to his apartment and he first sees. Uh, he sees Mike there and his fridge is open and he talks about how happy he's so happy to see him. But then he complains how, well, you know, I ain't got no money for electricity. You better close the fridge here. You know, and I just like how he can go from, Oh, I'm super excited to see you to yelling at him for leaving his fridge open in the same scene. I thought that was kind of a nice touch. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good point. He does. Eddie Murphy is able to like turn the 
turn the comedy button on and off on a dime. Like he does it really well. Like that's that's what I think comes over in this movie very well in general. It's just it it'd be a very good action movie and it's super serious and you have like that downtown beat kind of song in the background and then all of a sudden it'll turn into a comedy and he's getting thrown out windows and yelling at people. Yeah. Now there's one scene in particular that pays off at the end which when we get towards the end of the film i'll i'll finish the sentence but it's when um they're reminiscing about you know stealing a car and and how um you know why didn't you why didn't you turn me in and Mm -hmm. mikey looks at him says you don't know you don't know and he says it's because i love you man and you know it takes you know uh a non-homosexual man to tell another man that I love you, especially a friend, is very hard, you know. And when another guy actually tells it to another guy and it's not meant in a sexual way, it's a very powerful thing. And you could tell that they're – I mean he's on screen for like seven, eight minutes. But that friendship is pretty solid just by him finding – you know, by saying the words of it's because I love you, man. And you kind of wonder why didn't Axel Foley say it back to him? All he did is just kind of have a smile like, I can't yeah. believe you just said that. Um, but that pays off at the end, which I'll explain when we get there. Mm-hmm. But I really like that scene because um, the guy playing Mikey, uh, James Russo, he was one of the last people cast. And I thought he did an excellent uh, performance of, of you know only having five minutes of trying to prove that they've been you know lifelong friends i thought they, he did an excellent job yeah it definitely came over that way he um for a small part he's the one that basically drives the story because his death throws axel into the midst of it all so exactly it's definitely an important part if if not small yeah i mean he has to be very likable for you to care the fact that that he dies and i have to say his murder scene is pretty brutal um now, and the reason I say that is, is, uh, you know, you kind of think he's going to get away with it because the guy's like, you know, if I ever see you again, you know, I'll, I'll have to kill you. But instead, he punches him in the face. He grabs his head. And as a long distance shot, he shoots mm-hmm. him in the head. And you can actually see the bullet come through his head. And then he shoots him one more time and then he do a close up. It's even though we've seen, I mean, in the age of saw and torture, porn and all that stuff, this scene is actually kind of brutal just because of how simplistic it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's happening in the hallway of a low-rent apartment building. So you already know, like, like bad, bad stuff goes on. And then to see stuff like this go on in there kind of makes it a little too surreal. Yeah, exactly. It it kind of makes it more realistic. It really makes it more okay. We're not funny no more. It puts it in a more realistic setting. There's a couple scenes where you're like, wow, this really feels like a realistic cop film. And mm-hmm. then it, the next scene can immediately go back to a comedy. It really balances that that wheel very well, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, you could tell a lot of movies shoot either on location or on a set, and this one fell. I'm not sure what what they did with this one which is a good thing because it makes it feel more real that way like i couldn't tell if it was a set or if they were actually on location in a certain area right um so we talked about where um his boss tells him if you go investigate this it'll be the last vacation you have but um the hotel scene is hilarious uh and you know what i'm talking about where the nerve of people you know they, they should get reservations and the talk about uh you know being from Rolling Stone. That whole scene is I don't know if that particular scene was improv, but man, it is some good comedy, I have to say. 
Yeah, it really was. Like, he starts going off about Michael Jackson, and he just, yeah, he calls himself a small reporter from Rolling Stone magazine, (laughs) which is kind of, like, a paradox kind of statement. But, yeah, it's it's really good. That one sounds like it could be something that just came off of Eddie Murphy's tongue, and he just kept rolling with it. Because he kind of repeats himself a few times, keeps saying that Michael Jackson's sitting on top of the world or something. Yeah. he he goes over it a couple of times, which sounds like it's not scripted. It's something that he just kept going with. Yeah, exactly. And there was in real life, there was actually a, a Rolling Stone article at the same time being made, which I think is kind of where he got it from. Okay. So, um, now I like when he's walking down the street after he's got his room, and there's two dudes walking like they're dressed like Michael Jackson, and he yeah. starts to laugh at them. I really like that scene for some reason. I don't know why. It's just funny. It just exemplifies the the subtleties that make like these characters come to life a little bit. Like, it's not just him walking with a with like this certain face on and getting to his destination. He's just doing what he does, and he kind of laughs and he has his emotions like everyone else. Yeah, good times. So let's talk about Surge. Surge is funny. He. <laughs> When he's trying to t- uh, tell him his name and he can't say it, and then at the end uh, he's he's saying like I don't even know how he tries to pronounce it, but then Axel Ax- says Axel. Axel. Yeah, and then he ends up <laughs> then Axel says his own name to to him, and then the guy just looks up to the other guy. Serge just looks up to the other guy. He's like, Yeah, Foley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I noticed that too. Where he just completes his sentence. He just completes his sentence by saying Axel. Holy, <laughs> yeah, it, and it was pretty. It was played brilliantly by um oh by uh Bronson uh Pinkach, I think is how mm-hmm. you say the last name. Which he would later be in a TV series called Perfect Strangers. He was excellent in that film. Okay. Um, but yeah, he will later make an appearance in part three where he gets more screen time, which is pretty cool. But I love Serge, and my favorite thing is uh how. He later will call somebody, don't be stupid. You know, right. the way he talks is so good. So funny. Um, Let's see. The next thing is the window scene. We got to talk uh, about the window scene. Uh, when he gets thrown out. I love this scene. Oh, my God. This, yeah, that's this is my favorite quote. And he says, disturbing the peace, I get thrown out a window. What's the effing charge for getting pushed out of a moving car? Jaywalking? <laughs> yeah, that is some good times. <laughs> like that. That's just good humor. Like that stuff that. Eddie Murphy doesn't do very often anymore. Like I like from the movies I've seen with him, like I just don't crack up like that with the stuff that he does recently. That's just funny. Right. Yeah, he gets thrown out the window and he's just sitting there and just starts swearing <laughs> like, what the F? And the cop show up, he goes, do you see what they did? I can describe <laughs> all of them for you. Yeah, that whole scene is priceless. And then in the cop car saying how it's cleaner than his apartment. Right. And he's in the jail cell talking about how, hey, I was getting hungry. Can I order a pizza? Because you got a phone in here. This is pretty awesome. Um, I I love the window scene. It is so good, so good. Um, let's talk about the introduction to Taggart and Billy. Okay. What do you think of these guys? These guys make the movie, I think, because if it wasn't good before, like these guys just make it better, and then they just, it's just the it makes the three of them. They're a trifecta, which I think you've said, which we'll talk about eventually. But I think um, one of them doesn't end up in the other in the future film. But, like, you, you need these guys. They, you have the guy who's basically not the mentor. Well, he's the mentor for Billy. But Tiger's just like, 
he's just the hard guy that doesn't want to do any, have anything to do with Axel, and he's kind of like that anti-hero guy that he's not really doing anything bad, but he's kind of trying to stall Axel. Yep. And then you have Billy who's just riding around, and he know he could he could see like he's more of a people person, and he could tell who Axel is, and he knows he's not out for blood or anything. He's just kind of like he's he's getting he's getting justice, and that's what he really wants. Yeah, um, you're right. Um, as I was telling you before, um, part two is my favorite of the series, and here's the reason why part two is my favorite. Now, I haven't watched part two uh, in almost 10 years, just like the first one. So mm-hmm. I'm strictly going off memory here. So uh, next week I'll be able to tell you my rating on this film will, will basically be based on part two. But here's essentially it. The reason why part two is my favorite is because of the uh, friendship is already established and the relationship picks up right where it left off. And in part two, I know I'm not I'm not spoiling nothing for you. I'm just letting you know that yeah. um, Billy becomes fully junior um, there. They completely are, are the, the tri team, the you know, the three in one team, the perfect yeah. team. They all work in unison together. And I it's kind of like Daniel and Mr. Miyagi. It's like part two, the relationship is cemented and it's just a, a bigger adventure. Kind of like part two for me, their adventure got so much bigger in part two because they're established. And this film, you're getting the you're getting the foundation built. Right. And uh, and you'll see when you watch part two, I honestly think you will love part two way more than you'll love part one just because you like me love those two guys more than anything in this film i I mean obviously i love axel but those two make an axel it it completes the film for me yeah i just i i like any type of like their characters that you want when you see them on screen you know axel's gonna be okay because they got his back exactly Exactly. And uh, so the first scene, obviously, as you said, Taggart is kind of the he's been he's been he's been around the block. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't want to push himself any further than he needs to. He kind of feels I've I've done my service, but, you know, um, he's kind of bitter to a certain sense. And Billy is the he's too afraid to step out of his, his comfort zone and Axel throughout the film. I mean, these three have the biggest character development by yeah. the end of the film, definitely. But uh, you know, when you first meet Taggart and Axel, they go at it. Taggart punches Axel, and then when you get introduced to Ronnie Cox, who plays uh, Andrew Bogomil, talks about pressing charges, and he goes, "You're crazy. We don't, you know, we don't charge against other cops." He goes, "Well, in Beverly Hills, we do everything by the book." You realize you're kind of now Axel realizes he's in a different territory that he's not used to being in, mm-hmm. and uh, and that that scene sets it up for you when he punches them and when he says they got to go everything by the book and uh it really sets the rest of the film off yeah it does so um the food delivery scene (laughs) when uh billy and taggart are supposed to watch axel so sir can you tell me who is the food delivery boy i don't know (laughs) I'm trying to think of off memory now who he, what he looks like without actually looking him up. It's good old Freddie Fernandez from The Karate Kid. Is it? That's funny. Yep, it is. You, you would recognize him. Yes, I did. The moment he <laughs> walked out, I said, it's Freddie Fernandez, which for those of you who don't know who's not too familiar with Karate Kid, Freddie Fernandez is the guy in Karate Kid who uh, introduces himself. He actually gets hit with the gate 
in the eye and invites Daniel to the party, to the beach party where he eventually meets Allie. And everybody seems to think Freddy disappears from the film. But in fact, he shows up two more times. He'll show up at school where he says, hey, karate kid, let's see the moves. Ah, And then in the tournament, you can actually see they put the camera straight on his, straight on him where he's cheering on Daniel. And then at the end of the film, he's the guy that picks up Daniel to receive the trophy. But for some stupid reason, people don't seem to realize that Freddie Fernandez is in the film. That always pisses me off. So I'm sorry I went on a little rant there, but it's like people need <laughs> to open their eyes. Freddie Fernandez is in The Karate Kid more than just the beginning. So I just had to point that out. But, you know, I've seen The Karate Kid 600 times, so you would notice that after, you know, a couple hundred times, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess you recognize people's faces once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love the food delivery scene. And this whole thing is improvised. The whole um, you drink too much coffee. Uh, they talk about red meat. That whole scene, that was all improvised. They, okay. The script says you sit there and wait for Axel and talk. And then they just made – that's how they got the job is just by their chemistry together is what got them the job because originally um, Taggart was hired. Uh, it was – Billy was hired but uh, Taggart didn't know – he kept reading the same scene over and over and over. He had no idea what the movie was about. And when Judge Reinhold came in, he told him what the movie was about and that got him excited about it. So therefore, their first scene together was so good and their chemistry was so good that the filmmakers hired Judge Reinhold. So that whole scene was improvised, all the car stuff, talking about red meat and coffee and all that stuff. Yep. So good times. But yeah, I like the – I like Damon Wayans. Did you notice Damon Wayans is the one that handed him the uh, bananas? Yeah, I did. I like him. I I always like to show uh, my wife and kids. Oh, forget that in living color, man. <laughs> I oh. I never seen that one, but I know that's popular too. But oh. he's he's really funny. He's probably the funniest Wayans brother I've seen. I've watched. Let me just say this: in living color was a show ahead of its time. And you could not do the In Living Color back then today. It broke okay. so many boundaries and pressed on so many toes that it's amazing the episodes that got aired got aired. I mm-hmm. mean it, it's the home of Jim Carrey and, and Jamie Foxx and, and the Waynes brothers, all that stuff. But they're actually going to bring back In Living Color this summer. Uh, Keenan Ivory Waynes is bringing it back for two episodes. But uh, Damon Waynes was always my favorite on – uh, in living color he was homie the clown and he was always the i'm sure you heard of the bum that picks his nose to hold up his cardboard box um, yeah I don't, uh, you just just youtube some videos of damon wayne's on a living color man and it is brilliant 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 stuff uh, but yeah i love damon wayne's just his little banana thing is so funny um so uh i, I talked about when jenny uh makes fun of axel foley's laugh in the warehouse yep. i thought it was a really cute scene what do you think? Uh, yeah, same thing. Like we said before, it's kind of like it goes along with the improvising, and it kind of just emphasizes their characters a little bit more. And I like her. She's at one point, I, uh, Axel asks her, asks her where uh, her car is, and she goes, she says like, <laughs> "Oh, we just in Beverly Hills, we take the one that's closest to us." Yeah, yeah, I love that scene. And originally, she was the love interest of Sylvester Stallone. So when Eddie Murphy came on, her she was thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? What is my character? Hmm. So they rewrote it to her being the best friend of Axel Foley so she didn't have to be the love interest of the film. Right. So she had to do two hours of uh, hair every day because she had the 80s hairdos, which was kind of funny. So. Yeah, it is funny. But 
yeah, I like she's a good character. I like her. Yeah, being not being a true love interest, I think made it kind of not a little bit refreshing because nowadays like everyone has a love interest in every movie so it was good for him to just have his work to focus on he didn't have this whole side thing of trying to get the girl in the end yeah good 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 point good point um the strip club is one of my favorite scenes of the film i love the strip scene um not because there's a stripper there um it's it's just so good because um, each guy was uncomfortable there because th- that was their first scene. They all filmed together. So oh, every really? time the girl would do that, uh, he really would feel uncomfortable. And then Billy always trying to have to put the dollar in, in her panties always <laughs> was uncomfortable. Um, but I really like this scene because this is where the relationship starts to build when he goes, um, you know, you guys are just cops and – uh, you just do your job and have badges. You don't know nothing about coffee grounds, and that's when he's not able to finish his sentence about coffee grounds. Yeah. He notices the two guys walk in. I love the disarming scene, but the whole Philip thing, hey, Philip, and he plays the <laughs> guy. That whole scene is amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I definitely agree. The, the, whole, uh, the whole scene in that place is really funny. Like He starts talking about how – Taggart's so uh, so stiff all the time, and he's talking about how Billy just kind of accentuates their their characters. How Billy's like the innocent one, and he he's so naive to everything. And yeah. Axel Axel's here to show him a good time and try to, even though he's kind of using them at the same time, he does really want what's best for these guys. Yeah, because you know he mentions earlier that you know yeah I'm sorry about the banana and the tailpipe, but the food thing was really from the heart because we're all cops. But mm-hmm. um, I like how. Um, he's like, hey, no BS. This is for real. I'm not messing around with you. I need you to back me up on this. Yep. And uh, I thought it was really good. And the funny thing is, is after Billy's like, you're under arrest. He's like, good job, Billy. You're a real good <laughs> cop. It's like he's being sarcastic, but he's real. He's being sincere at the exact same time. And Eddie Murphy pulls that that line off perfectly. The way his face looks and the line delivery there, excellent. So let's talk about the super cop scene. Um, this is the biggest improvised scene of the whole film. This whole scene here was not in the script. The whole super cop thing was made up on the women. Here's how it happened. Eddie Murphy is not, um, he has a very healthy body. He doesn't do, um, he doesn't do, uh, caffeine and, and red meat and all that kind of stuff. But due to the police station being so hot and stuff um he was trying to stay awake and he actually took a sip of coffee which made him much hyper than he normally is that's so pretty the, hyper <laughs> yeah so he made up that super cop thing on the go and uh judge reinhold actually was pinching his thigh from not laughing so hard he was trying not to laugh so he would pinch his thigh and he had bruises after the scene because he was trying not to laugh to screw up the scene so that's essentially how um, how that scene went down. I, I like the super cop scene. And, and of course, Ronnie Cox, um, he really liked the improvising, which he kind of smiles after he's saying, yeah. oh, you guys screwed that up. That's actually a genuine smile from like, I, I like your improvis- improvisation. And Eddie Murphy was saying how that day he had a 15-page script came in and said, okay wow. – your hair and makeup, memorize these lines. And Eddie Murphy's like, I could never do that. So Eddie Murphy was always able to bring Ronnie Cox back into the scene so he could get back to his lines is how that essentially went. So special features are amazing on the newer edition of Beverly Hills Cop 
really good stuff. It gives yeah, it you a lot like, of info. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it gets a lot of insight. That's really cool. Yeah, I really and Ronnie Cox said he had. That's when you know a good actor is when he can do improv, improvisation, but you can bounce off of his energy and bring you back to where the script takes you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I really love the super cop scene. It was good time. So um, let's talk about the banana in the tailpipe scene where he's telling the brother that he's sounding too white. Uh, <laughs> that was good times, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, anytime he does like like he doesn't do it in a racist type of way, but it's it's just funny. It's humorous. Exactly. So just like in the next scene, um, he plays a gay guy where mm-hmm. he's in order to break in to see Victor in the. Um, in the restaurant, which that's the scene I was saying earlier where the director said, Hey, you just pulled up and got out of the car. That's kind of dry. Can you do something? He's like, sure. He does it again and says, Hey, can you park my, you know, can you park my car in a good place? All this S happened the last time I was here. You know, <laughs> it just did that on the fly. But when he acts like a gay guy and says he's got basically hepatitis 10, <laughs> um, that was, you know, he does it in a funny but he's not being disrespectful at the same time. So yeah, he's I, not making fun of anything. He, exactly. He, he toes the line carefully, like the way, like that's why I liked Eddie Murphy back then. Like he knew, he knew exactly where he was at with his humor. Exactly. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. He knows how to walk the line without without stepping too far to the left and too far to the right. He does mm-hmm. an excellent job there. So. The look, cuz um, there's the scene where uh, in when he finally gets to see Victor in the restaurant, um, the guy that actually killed Mikey, the first conversation, the first confrontation he has, he says, "Look, cuz I don't want to f you up, you know, get out of the way." And he, his comedy immediately shifts to all seriousness because he has a serious face. He, he's like, "Look, cuz get out of my way, or I'm gonna f you up." And then he throws him over the thing. He yeah. says, "Good job, Vic. Can he can he sit and beg too at the same time?" Because Victor tells him, "No, don't go after him." Um, like you said, he can instantly switch between comedy to seriousness and just the flip of a dime. Yeah, it had a very good undertone of like real drama, real like dramatic action movie going on where there was there was a real bad guy and he killed his friend and that's what he's he's really here to do he's not here to do like he may be there helping out these other guys like taggart and billy but his real mission is to go find this guy who killed his friend that he loved like a brother and he wants to go get revenge for him yeah um i like the scene where they're um when axel is coming out explaining to um all the cops about what victor's intentions is and stuff like that um i really did that because all the previous cops he played practical jokes on but this time they're getting serious and he's explaining i don't have any proof but here's essentially what's going on i really like that scene it's good stuff um and when the when the big guy comes in the big chief and he starts making fun of him is this the man that wrecked the buffet and and then you hear taggart lower your voice uh, i really like that scene i thought that was pretty funny yeah um so when uh he later goes back to see to see jenny you get another thing with surge where surge is trying to ask uh you know judge reinhold uh billy if he wants a drink and and he goes, you know, can I have that? And he goes, oh, don't be stupid, which <laughs> I thought was really funny. That was good stuff. So, yeah, um, he just shows Billy does anything anyone tells him to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's so wishy-washy, but it just kind of it's, it's just funny because he's he's so naive. 
So when we get the confrontation between Axel and the guy that killed Mikey and he says, mm-hmm. are you still pissed about earlier? Then the tone changes where he's like, you know, I killed Mikey. And then uh, that's when they start to beat down on Axel and stuff. Yep. Pretty, pretty hardcore scene. Um, and of course, Billy comes to the rescue and uh, we get a really good action sequence. So I really like how the tone changed immediately. Uh, Eddie Murphy's face, he, he did that perfectly, I thought. Yeah, it it does. He's I don't I never saw Eddie Murphy as like an action star, but back then when he was when he was slimmer and he was more like he was able to just pull it off really well because it was mixed in so well with the comedy that you kind of just go with whatever this guy is doing. Yeah, um, the break into Victor's house that was improvised. Basically, the script said you two have a problem trying to get into Victor's house, so that mm-hmm. whole on top of each other crashing in the trees and stuff. Yeah, that was falling, all improvised. Over, falling over the hedge type of thing. I think. Yep. Yeah, that was all improvised. I thought that was cool. So yeah, that was really good. I like when um when those guys on the top of the house start shooting at them, and they're just like, uh, Axel's just so nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah, these guys are pretty serious. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, like, I hate machine guns because <laughs> there's just automatic fire all over the place. Yeah, and uh, when Billy says, um, drop it. And he smokes somebody. His mouth opens like it's the first time he ever smoked somebody. I mm. thought that was excellent, like excellent work from Billy. The way his his face looked was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He finally like takes charge at the end of this movie. That's when you see how Foley's actually influenced him. Yeah. And exactly. he like doesn't he? He gets up and he's like, after all the fire is done, he's like, "Police, you're under arrest," because he tried <laughs> saying that earlier in the in the scene, yep. but it didn't go so well. So then I think like Taggart's like, "You do that again, and I'm gonna shoot myself." <laughs> no, he goes, "And I'm gonna kill you," is what he said. I'll kill you, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought the shootout was pretty awesome because uh, it's not like the shootout in Commando, even though I swear the house is the exact same as it was in Commando. Commando was way over the top. Yeah. I thought this was a pretty realistic shooting. I mean. The gunfire sounded realistic. Gunfire didn't have the typical uh, Hollywood gunfire sound. So I thought that was pretty realistic, especially the fight between Victor and Axel and, um, and Bogomil. Uh, when, because, you know, when Victor shoots, he they don't shoot him. They wait till Victor shoots. And I think a cop would really do that. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it, it did feel very genuine. I, like other than Axel running around trying to avoid the the bullets, there wasn't a lot of like rolling on the floor, dodging stuff, and open like Matrixy style. So I like they just they kept it like as it would really kind of go down. Yeah, with and that the, movie twist. Yep, definitely. And the chief. Um, when you know when the chief comes down and uh, I like it when uh, Bogomil is you know lying his head off and yeah. uh, and you see Axel smiling and then when the chief looks over he's immediately got to have a straight face. Um, I thought that was excellent um, and that really at that point you know that they're all good friends at that point because Axel kind of saved the day so it was good. Yeah. Stuff. So here's where I'm gonna get to my character development theme is okay. uh, at the end. When, um, you know, the guys are coming back and saying, okay, we'll pay your bill. You know, we're supposed to watch you leave. Here's the thing. Um, Due to what happened to Mikey and everything that happened throughout the movie, um, um, Axel takes the robe and says, look, Billy, you saved my life and I love you. I mean, he actually, he didn't say it to Mikey, his long, his long life friend. Mm -hmm. He says it to a guy he's only known for about a week. (laughs) And I think, and what I mean by that is it's, he's really opening up because he's realizing that 
every day could be your last day. And to, and to go out on a limb and tell people how you feel about them because you never know when they're gonna go. And uh, to me, that scene told me that you know he was he was being very sincere when he said it, and he wasn't messing around. And he's like, you know, you saved my life. You know, I love you, man. You know, I, I that was kind of my character development. And then you see how Taggart uh, is cooled down where originally he didn't want to go to the bar in the beginning. And now he's all chill out. He's like one beer won't kill us. And yep. You know, the character development has come to like full circle where each, you know, Billy's now very um, confident in himself after the shootout. So I thought the character development of those three ended perfectly. In my yeah, I, I definitely agree with that whole thing. And then just to add to it, it's kind of like, like, I just agree. I like how Axel didn't end up changing the whole force in Beverly Hills. Like, it wasn't like he came out and everyone threw away the book with every rule and they kind of just do what they wanted. He only, he basically affected these two guys and uh, they, just enough so they were looser and they were, like, they were able to become friends with this guy. It wasn't this crazy, crazy change, but it was enough to notice. Yep, definitely. So, sir, overall, um, what would you what would you give this movie? Uh, definitely give it a four point five out of five because I haven't seen the uh, next two, so I'm looking forward to seeing those. So I'm tentative on giving it a perfect score because I want to see what else they have in store for me. Exactly. Here's the thing: um, if this movie was alone with no sequels. Mm -hmm. If I was to give it five stars, I don't think I I would find a problem with that because I didn't find any movie mistakes or any continuity continuity. What's that word, dude? I can't say it. Continuity. Thank you very much. I didn't find any of that issue whatsoever. Um, but because of my love for number two, um, at this point I'm gonna say same as you, four point five. Mm -hmm. And uh, based on next week, I may raise that to a five. Um, but my overall remembrance is I love part two better. So I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with a 4.5 for now, a tentative 4.5, but I'm going to base it on next week's, um, performance of part two. Yeah. And like you said, you haven't seen it in a good 10 years and I've never seen it. So I'm looking forward to it because it'll be a, a pretty genuine reaction from both of us. So I don't mind giving this a lower score, right. getting gearing up for the other two. Right. Excellent. All right, sir. Well, that's uh, that's our wrap for Beverly Hills Cops. So let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. Sounds good. All right, sir. So we got two emails from John the Mailman. And uh, the first one's about uh, our last week's episode. This is pretty good stuff. He says, hey, Mike, great job. And we're talking like big letters, exclamation <laughs> point. He says, the end of the year podcast was great and all the hard work, all the hard work you put into it paid off. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. Like I said on the Facebook page, if one person, especially from the STL Nation, dug the episode it was all worth all the time and effort put into it because you know andrew made his clips i made my clips so you know we spent a couple hours on this and uh you know we work really hard on this episode so as long as one person dug it that's all that we cared about so yeah definitely it was totally worth it and i mean kudos to you because you spent a heck of a lot of more time than i could have even imagined on this episode and i've i've tried my shot at podcasting so i know what it's like to kind of get dragged down in time with it but yeah 
you stuck to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta because they were like so anxious to hear it. They wanted me to release it unedited. I'm like, I'm not doing that, guys. You gotta wait. So glad I waited. He says, I hope you had a great Christmas and it was everything you wanted and more. Um, which yeah, I did. I had a really good Christmas. Just spent it with the family. Um, pretty went to bed early. It was good times. Kid had a good time. Kids had a good time. So it it was good. I just saw a few movies that would make my top 10, so here they are. Super 8. This may be number one. I love it. The kids were great in it, and the story was hot. Uh, the train accident was really cool to watch, and the monster was cool looking. Only one or two things took me out of it, but was su- was still super fun. Took me back to the E.T. days. 4.5 stars and a must-see, which that was the overall intention of the film, was yep. to take you back to the old-school Spielberg days. So I could so. see that kind of movie being like a, a perspective like – it it would be really really good to someone else and someone else it would be all right but i i saw that movie i enjoyed it the only thing that took me out was they were feeling sorry for the monsters who just ate people so like in front of them so that kind of was like really those little kids are like oh you just ate my best friend but we love you and we want you to go home but other than that yeah i'd, I'd say it was a really good movie gotcha sweet i still have to check it out so i can't wait awesome uh he saw the 18 which i own this but i haven't watched it yet he said this movie would be a top three movie the action was off the hook and i love this guy man he's awesome <laughs> uh and i was laughing the entire movie the tank falling scene was great and well done everyone did a great job and would love to see more uh these two were so great i had to email you and andrew you and andrew's list of movies was great and gave me some great music to check out I'm going to rewatch the Beverly Hills Cop movies and email back in. Have a great show. Which, by the way, he watched all three. He wow. watched one, and then he he couldn't stop. He watched two and three. I told him you better do separate emails on that. But he, you know, in he on Facebook we talked. He's like, man, that music was awesome, and he wanted a whole list of all the music because he was gonna go buy a whole bunch of music. Wow. He told <laughs> Doug your list. Uh, and he dug my list, so I was like, that's flipping awesome, man. So, yeah, that is awesome. I'm glad we, we at least affected one person with our music list. We don't have totally out, our, our music isn't out there. Right, exactly. <laughs> he says, consider this email delivered, John the Mailman. He said, P.S., loving the Facebook fun, and it's so true what Andrew said about a small listening group, because we are all having a great time and becoming friends. More should join in. So I, I totally agree with that, sir. Now, Andrew, now that you're on the Facebook page, um, yep. hopefully, sir, you can join in the fun because, you know, every day, if not every other day, me, John, the mailman, John from Philly, Sebastian, um, we all just talk random. I mean, I post one thing and it turns into a tangent about something else. I mean, we have tons and tons of fun on there. So That's you cool. Know, I mean, we you could always – I mean, a podcast dream is to always have thousands of of listeners, but what what good is it if no one ever like interacts with each other and it's just a bunch of people listening to this and then throwing it out the next day? It's good that you guys like yeah. all chime in and give everyone your what you're thinking. So exactly. I mean, what's the point of a thousand listeners if you don't know who Joe Blow is? You know what? Yeah. I'd rather have thirty people. Then 300, which 30 people is what I have, but essentially, you know, there's only a small few in the STL Nation, which rocks, you know, and there's 25 people on the Facebook page, so that's awesome. But, you know, I'd like to hear more people write in and stuff. So, and it's going good. I mean, like I said, the podcast isn't even a year old, uh, it's come a long way. I posted on New Year's Day, uh, which I'll I'll talk about that in a second, but let's get to um, his last email. He says, hey, Mike, I had a few days off to start my new year, 
so I was able to watch all three Beverly Hill Cop movies. Pretty good start to the year. How's your year going so far? Which mine's going good. Uh, it's been forever since I saw these movies, maybe 10 or more years. Sounds like he's in the boat than I am. Yeah. And uh, only on TV. So I had a ball watching unedited. Man, sir, I am in the same plate, uh, the same area as you. I always see this movie edited. So seeing it uncut was flipping amazing, man. I was dying. Uh, he said this movie was so funny I forgot how funny Eddie Murphy was. Some favorite parts of mine are when he gets thrown out of the window <laughs> and the cops arrest him. Disturbing the peace. You arrest me for getting thrown out of an effing window. What's the charge for getting thrown out of a car? Jaywalking? <laughs> Uh, which he doesn't say effing, but I'm just completing how it actually goes in the movie. Uh, the whole first meeting with Axel, Taggart, and Rosewood. Sir, I apologize for striking you. I have no excuse. <laughs> uh, the banana in the tailpipe was good times. The super cop story Axel told the chief. I just want you to know he was buying the super cop story. And the chief smiles when Jenny came at his car. I remember you used to drive that crappy blue Chevy Nova. What are you driving now? Same crappy blue. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's changed. Yeah, so many good one-liners. I also like how Taggart and Rosewood could not lie and did everything by the book and could by the end. They all became friends and it was a fun ride. All the action was great and Eddie was on fire. So I'll give it four. Can't wait to hear the episode. Have a great show and a new year. Consider this email uh, delivered, John the Mailman. So, Thanks, John. Yep, good times. And uh, we have epic emailer Anthony, which you'll know Anthony from Hillmore, California, uh, from the Crossroads podcast. Yeah. Uh, this this is some loving for you, sir. Um, here's what he had to say. This just came in today. He said, hello there, Masunis. Wait, I can't forget about Andrew. Glad to see that apparently some of the Sweep the Leg episodes will have more than just one person. Don't get me wrong, Masunis. You've done an incredible job going solo for so many episodes, but it'll be nice to have someone there to bounce things off of one another. So um, it, thank you, sir, for saying that. You know, um, It is excellent to have Andrew on. That's always one thing I always thought is it's great solo, but I never had have anything to bounce off of and uh kind of like the you know geek out geek out you know geek online mm-hmm. i always thought that uh it was awesome but once Derek came on i love the show so much more because there's so much interaction so i'm hoping that the people that are like the solo me will definitely dig us more and it sounds like the people especially john the mailman john from philly uh john the music man and, and uh, anthony here they seem to dig us together sir so yeah it brings a different dynamic which is cool i mean it's like playing a once a one player game and then switching over to a multiplayer it's just a, it's just a different feeling it doesn't mean one's worse but right exactly i hear you and he says when it comes to the movie series that you're doing uh going to be doing i have to say i enjoy beverly hills cop out of the three i got to say that the first one is my favorite with the second being very close second while it may have been one of the first set of movies eddie murphy did a terrific job and showed that he can do things besides comedy uh, that's not to say he didn't do good when it came to comedy as there were plenty of moments, both with the main cast and others. They had me laughing. Uh, he said, as it comes to the other characters, I love how Rosewood and Taggart were done. The moments they had with Axel were entertaining and in their own ways helped to improve things. Honestly, who couldn't help but laugh when the car stalled because Axel put a banana in their car exhaust? Um, he said, how can we also forget Bronson uh, Pinchnot as the character Surge? Even if his parts weren't a major point in the story, he was still able to make the scenes that he was in uh, memorable, although he might mo- – might, uh, excuse me. 
although he might mostly be known playing uh, Balky, his, uh, this character is his own way, the one that you can easily forget. Uh, before ending this email, I'll go ahead and rate the first Beverly Hills Cop movie a 5 out of 5. And how I rate the movie is probably different than how you do, but that's my opinion. And like, um, this is a family show, sir. So uh, what he says is the complete word of a-holes. So <laughs> he said, uh, how I rate movies is probably different than how you would, but that's my opinion. And like a-holes, everyone has one. So that's what he was trying to say. So um, <laughs> good times, right? Uh, so until next time, see you, Masunas and Andrew. So uh, Anthony, the epic emailer, thank you, sir, for writing in and giving your opinion. Uh, it's great to hear your thoughts. Um, thank you for the props on the solo performance by me and, uh, and the love for Andrew coming in. So good times. It's great to hear from all you guys. And uh, always a pleasure. And the last email comes from John the Music Man. He said, hello, sirs and STL Nation. First off, my thoughts on Beverly Hills Cop. I will admit I saw Beverly Hills Cop 2 before I saw number one so i was a little spoiled on the plot but i loved all the pranks he pulled but with the banana and ordering uh food for the car was just good times and how they would just take the closest car home was hilarious uh yeah your favorite part yeah this is, I like um, comments from the top 10 podcasts first awesome you played some when he said gc i was like gc uh in the mu in the music and news section i played good charlotte in that section, okay. Which okay i never hear anybody comment on all the music i played during the movie and music news so it's awesome that somebody was able to notice that which is why i call him john the music man because john loves all the music i play he notices all that stuff yep. so that's why he's changed from john to philly to john the music man so he says i'm a huge fan of them also oddly enough i am a nicholas cage fan so i'm excited about ghost rider 2 he plays a tormented soul who uh has talent well so uh he is he's a pretty good johnny blaze i think gremlins 3 would be odd with the mixture of muppets and cgi as long as henson company uh is involved oh he said it could be good as long as the henson company was involved that's what he was trying to say right he says uh britney spears is guilty pleasure and um I downloaded her CD with an iTunes gift card he received for Christmas, and Criminal Until the World Ends were his favorite before you know he knew that we liked him as well. So, uh, Also, good props on Switchfoot, sir, selling the news. That was a great tune, and I totally forgot about that one. So he said uh, – Someone liked it. Yep, yep. So that was John the Music Man. So good times, guys. Thank you so much for writing in. I'm glad you guys totally dug the last episode and all the all the Andrew love you're getting there, sir. So it must make you feel good there, huh? Yeah, definitely. I'm, and I think this one is even going uh, much better. I'm kind of finding my legs in the podcast world. I was telling you off – uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit, it's, I'm kind of here so sporadically. It's kind of like I'll I'll feel what my voice is like on the radio, and then all of a sudden I'll go away for a while. So it kind of feels good to get myself back in. Yeah, definitely. And as I was telling you on offline, you know, um, I think we both work really good together because um, you know you always have something great to say of a particular scene I'm talking about. You can always mm -hmm. think of the stuff that I want to say, but I can't either think or know how to say it. So um, and you just. It's just it's awesome having you on, sir. It's always a blast talking movies with, and it is hard to do it by yourself. But uh, I mean, me and you, I mean, with other people, for some reason, I seem to get really nervous with. But mm -hmm. like with with you, it's like you're sitting right here, and we're just we're just talking about movies and chilling. It's pretty cool. So yeah, you never seem nervous when I'm talking, and you just kind of seem like you're just shooting it out and yeah. having a good time. So yeah, definitely, I think it works really well. 
Good deal. All right, sir. Um, so let's get into the spotlight song. All right. Here comes the ready and now. Here comes the boys from the sound. Here comes the ready and now. All right, so of course Beverly Hills Cop. I gotta end this move. I gotta end the spotlight with Eddie Murphy's song uh, "Party All the Time." You know, Eddie Murphy was back then, man. He was awesome. And this song, I never even knew it was an Eddie Murphy song until my wife told me and introduced me to it. Um, I, I, have you heard the song, sir? "Party All the Time" by Eddie Murphy back in the '80s. Nope, never did. Never did. This song's flipping awesome. This is Eddie Murphy at his best. I had to pick this song just because it's the first of the Beverly Hills Cop franchise, and uh, the music is just killer in this in this movie. But I, I wanted to pick just a solo Eddie Murphy song, which is his only really big song outside of being Donkey in the Shrek films. Right. But uh, you know, next week I'll definitely pick something different. But I thought it was kind of it made sense to pick this song for the first of the Beverly Hills Cop movies. So. Um, so before we end the podcast with the spotlight song, I just want to say thank you guys as always. Um, if you want to write in and sweep the lake podcast, yahoo.com, you can follow us on Twitter, STL nation, uh, not STL nation, STL podcast. Um, uh, if you want to be part of the STL nation, all you got to do is just write it once. Please, uh, join the Facebook page. But, uh, most of all, um, you know, Andrew and me are going to be, especially Andrew, he's going to be on there a lot more and we're going to be doing a lot more reviews. I'm going to be watching Shark Night and Don't Be Afraid of the Dark this week. So I will throw that up there, let you guys know in my review. And then also uh, Retro Tuesday, um, I'm going to try to continue that uh, where I pick just an old school CD and see if it still kind of holds up today. I, I was supposed to do Aerosmith's Greatest Hits, so I'll get that up there as soon as possible. So, you are very busy. <laughs> I'm a very busy man. And I got kids and an awesome, beautiful wife. So it's all good in the hood. And you, sir, are single, but, you know, you'll eventually you'll – eventually hey, I, have, I have an interview coming up for a possible full-time, so we'll see how it goes next week. Good. Hey, sir, this better not break into the new job you have, which is <laughs> – No, I should, be, I, sh- I should be good, and we'll rearrange things if we need to. But I, I'm – foreseeing a good future for this podcast with me and you good deal well yeah we will definitely uh once a week we're still going to hit you guys uh we will get the red dawn episode out to you um that was the last thing me and him talked about yeah before you came on that'll be like a bonus episode um pretty much me and him or we're going to finish up the beverly hills cop series and then we're going to take the small vacation because you're going to israel you said right yep going across the seas Yep, and then me and the wife are going to take some time off, and then we'll come back. We'll start up a new series, and then uh, we'll let you guys know what the what the rest of the the winter and spring is going to be like. We'll get it all figured out together, but uh, we'll do a whole bunch of kick-ass movie series that you guys are going to love and adore, and maybe a couple one-off films. And like I said before, the movie's so bad, so good. It's definitely one-off films, but it's part of a theme, so yep. – Looking forward to that. So, all right, sir, we'll we'll call it a wrap. And uh, this is the Spotlight song, Eddie Murphy, Party All the Time. And you guys take care. Uh, you want to sign off, sir, on your side, and then I'll sign off? Yeah, I got to actually request for the nation. They got to figure out a good sign off for me because I am clueless when it comes to leaving. I usually just say bye. So there you <laughs> go, guys. Think of something clever for me to say, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, you guys do that. Email in. Me, it's always Masuna South. So we got to have something cool for Andrew to say. So. Yep. All Otherwise, right. well, for now, I guess I'll see you next week.
Good deal. Misuna's out. Take care. <laughs>